emanating from www.michaelnimmons.com. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. This is Michael Eric Dyson. This is Rochelle Riley, straight out of Detroit. This is Dr. Victoria Dooley at Dr. Dooley MD. Well, everybody, it's your boy, comedian Jay Stevens. This is Frederick D. Haynes III. I am Justin Coates, an author and anti-bullying activist. I am Pam Perry. Hey, everybody, this is Rochelle V. Mann, CEO of Man Made Productions. This is Bree Diane, international evangelist. Hey, this is Candace Pretty Strange Smith. And what's up? This is Ty Scott King. I was cracking Planet Earth. It's your boy Griff, comedian, author, motivational speaker, entrepreneur, philanthropist, but a Jesus Christ lover. You understand me? And you're listening to Thinking Out Loud Radio with my homeboy, Michael Nemes. Check him out right here. Go ahead, Mike. Give him that good, good. I want you to give a warm Thinking Out Loud Radio show welcome to Emmy Award winning WXYZ Channel 7 anchor woman and new friend of the show, Miss Carolyn Clifford. Well, thank you, Michael, and what a nice introduction. So happy to be here. You know what I've got to do. i got to check out my man, Michael Nimmons, who is handling his business as he drops that knowledge. I like that because Frederick Douglass, for whom I'm named, says that knowledge unfits us for slavery. Truth sets us free. If you want to be free, you want to be like Mike. Check out the best radio show online. You're locked in right now to our listening. You're tuned into this. And without thinking about it, guess what? I'm thinking out loud right here on a Thinking Out Loud radio show. And if you want to stay in the know, you better be listening to Thinking Out Loud radio show. You're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Check out Thinking Out Loud. Thinking Out Loud radio show. Thinking Out Loud radio show. Don't you dare touch that dial. The Thinking Out Loud radio show with Michael Nimmons. Featuring author, motivational speaker, and minister, Michael Nimmons. Welcome to another edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And I'm your host, author, motivational speaker, and minister, Michael Nemens. And you're tuned in to the show that's giving voice to issues that matter to you. That's right, guys. This is the Super Tuesday edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. I hope your Tuesday was just as super as mine. <laughs> but we're calling it Super Tuesday for yet another reason. Uh, it is Super Tuesday in 16 states right here in this country. People are going to the polls today to put their to make their voices heard for this presidential election that's coming up 
in November. But this is the midterm elections is happening right now. Uh, 16 states that are uh, going to the polls today. And uh, they are making their voices heard. People in Alabama, Arkansas, California, Colorado, uh, Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Vermont, and Virginia are all going to the polls today to make their voices heard for uh, this upcoming election. I've, if you're listening, if you're from any one of those states, want to welcome you to the Thinking Out Loud radio show, and I'm your host, Michael Nimmons. So happy that you've taken a minute or two to tune in to tonight's show. We're going to be dedicating the entire show to uh, the uh, this presidential election, we're going to be talking about it in various um, pers- from various perspectives and vantage points throughout the show. Uh, what are you thinking about segment? We're dedicating the entire uh, three topics to uh, this presidential election, talking about it again from various vantage points and. The interviews that we have uh, slated for tonight's show, we're going to be sharing with you excerpts of three interviews that we've had over the uh, two and a half years that we've been doing this show with prominent politicians uh, that we've been blessed to interview uh, that are serving in state and local positions right here in the state of Michigan. We're kicking it off. Uh, our first in, our first excerpt is from uh, the Honorable Council President Brenda Jones. So happy to have had her on the show when she was running for uh, uh, the uh, the 13th Congressional District, filling the uh, vacancy that was served uh, honorably by uh, uh, the Honorable John Congressman John Conyers. She was not successful in her bid uh, for uh, that run, but uh, she was on the show to talk about her qualifications and her experience as well as uh, the importance of and of the right to vote. We're also going to be sharing with you an excerpt of uh, then-candidate for Detroit City Clerk, Lieutenant Governor Garland Gilchrist. That's right, he was on the show uh, a few years back when we first got started with the Thinking Out Loud radio show, and uh, he was on running for Detroit City Clerk, uh, he was not successful in his bid, but he continued uh, in his political career and was successfully able to uh, join the Democratic ticket for uh, Governor uh, Governor Whitmore, uh, the candidate at the time, uh, Governor uh, Gretchen Whitmore for the state of Michigan. He joined the, uh, her candidacy as lieutenant governor. And they were successful in their bid for governorship of the state of Michigan. So we're so happy to have had him on the show. And we're going to be sharing with you an excerpt of his interview as well. And then rounding out the three uh, candidates, we are very happy to have had um, the honorable newly elected mayor of East Point, Monique Owens, the first African-American woman to serve in this position. She was on our show back in November of last year and uh, gave a very powerful interview. We'll be sharing with you some excerpts from that interview during tonight's show as well. And I thought of the week, I could not think of a better way uh, to close the show on tonight talking about the right to vote and the importance of voting uh, than to uh, commemorate 
the march in Selma, Alabama that uh, was recently commemorated over the weekend 55 years ago uh, to uh, over the weekend Bloody Sunday that's right uh, Con- Congressman John Lewis and uh, those uh, uh, black protesters uh, from the Student Nonviolent Coalition uh, SNCC uh, got together and they marched in Selma and they eventually um, joined with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and they again uh, were marching for voting rights in Selma, Alabama and this was a very historic march um, but I wanted to share with you a speech that uh, President Barack Obama gave five years ago commemorating the 50th anniversary of this historic march across the Edmund Pettus Bridge during tonight's Thought of the Week. I guarantee it's a thought you don't want to miss. And also we are continuing with our blogging. I said a couple shows ago that we're going to be starting 2020 off writing more and blogging more and we have been doing that. Those of you who have not had a chance to read our first blog for this year, it was entitled Life After Death, Commemorating the Life and the Legacy of Kobe Bryant. It's already gotten over 400 hits on our website, michaelnimmons.com, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-N-I-M-M-O-N-S. Check it out. Let us know what your thoughts are and give us your feedback as well. Feel free to share it on your social media as well but we have just recently posted yet another blog on our website as well commemorating the life of Trayvon Martin eight years later after the tragic death uh, after his tragic death um, by um, the um, self-proclaimed neighborhood watchman George Zimmerman we all know how that uh, played out uh, eight years ago but Uh, We wanted to take a minute and write an open letter to this young man and how uh, tragic his life uh, was taken, talking about some of the inroads that have been made regarding this problem of police brutality, some of the progress that have been made, and and yet uh, we still have a long ways to go. Uh, to rid us of this problem of police brutality. And so uh, take a minute, read this blog. We love to get your feedback as well as your comments. Uh, you can add us at TOL Radio Host MSN on Instagram and Twitter. Hit us up on our Thinking Out Loud Facebook fan page at facebook.com forward slash Thinking Out Loud Radio Show or go to our website, michaelnemis.com. Go to our Thinking Out Loud official show page and you can leave us a comment there as well or send us an email at contact at michaelnemis.com a lot of ways that you can get in touch with us we would love to know what your thoughts are about that as well as i said guys we've got a great show in store for you so without any further ado let's get to it you is live a sea of race fists and silence 2020 fight is getting very real. Democrats jumping in, speaking out. Jussie Smollett. A month ago, few people knew who he was. You're watching The Breakfast Club. If you take it all into consideration, Stephen A. Listen, the argument that where, where you absolutely disgust me. A D-Lemon right now. How you feeling? 
Better than I deserve. You feel better today? I'm getting there. Yeah. What are you thinking about? of the What Are You Thinking About segment where we talk about what you're thinking about and we kick off tonight's show talking about Super Tuesday and even as we are recording this segment the poll results are coming in uh, to the show we're, we're seeing that uh, Joe Biden, former Vice President Joe Biden has won the state of Virginia and Senator Bernie Sanders has won the state of Vermont, his home state so um, I mean these poll results are coming in in real time even as we are recording this segment that's that's incredible guys <laughs> but we kick off tonight's show talking about former vice president uh, Joe Biden's win uh, in South Carolina uh, just uh, happening uh, just a few days ago that's right uh, uh, Joe Biden according to NPR uh, won in South Carolina big that's right his candidacy was actually on uh, on the brink of going away, going out um, until uh, his big win in South Carolina. NPR uh, says former Vice President Joe Biden had a big night in South Carolina showing his promised strength with black voters. If he lost, Biden's campaign would likely have been dead, but he far exceeded expectations with a nearly 30-point win in state's Democratic presidential primary. According to Biden, he said, and we are very much alive Biden said during his victory speech on Saturday night so um, he won um, a big in uh, South Carolina the vote uh, the, the delegate tallies are as follows if you're keeping track uh, Joe Biden has or Bernie Sanders rather has uh, 54 uh, 60 delegates Joe Biden has 54 delegates. Pete Buttigieg has 28 delegates. Elizabeth Warren, 8. And Amy Klobuchar has 7. Of course, Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar have uh, since ended their presidential bids and are endorsing former Vice President Joe Biden. We'll be talking about those two in just a few minutes. But uh, new life has been obviously breathed into uh, the campaign for former Vice President Joe Biden. And, uh, you know, what's interesting about his campaign is that before uh, the primaries began, he was the uh, the front runner through most of the polling that was taking place before voters actually went to the polls to vote. So he had, you know, a double digit lead over all the candidates uh, for most of uh, the debate season heading into uh, the Iowa caucuses, but it was uh, in, after the Iowa caucuses, we started to see a shift in um, in his in his um, in his lead, and he was actually moving uh, down downward um, in uh, in in his um, 
in in his in his place as the front runner for the presidency or for the Democratic nomination for the presidency. Uh, but again, his candidacy has um, this win in South Carolina has given him new life, and. Um, and so we're going to start to see a more resurgence of, of him and, and uh, more from uh, Joe Biden. What I'm hearing is that, uh, you know, we have other candidates, uh, particularly Mike Bloomberg, who, you know, $62 billion, uh, the $62 billion man, uh, billionaire uh, presidential candidate who, um, you know, is is spending hundreds of millions of dollars in ad campaigns across these states on Super Tuesday, uh, but Joe Biden is uh, is really behind eight ball because he is in comparison only spending I think a million and a half dollars when it comes to spending for ads uh, for these uh, fourteen or fifteen states for Super Tuesday. Uh, so he is really uh, keeping his fingers crossed. I'm sure uh, on tonight, but again he won big in Virginia and Bernie Sanders won in Vermont, and so far Michael Bloomberg hasn't won any states uh, so far uh, in the delegate count uh, so really he's he's spending money but it, you know wh- wh- what is it benefiting him and again I, I think I heard recently that um, he's rejected the notion of getting out of the, the presidential race so you know I guess he's got more money to waste <laughs> uh, but nevertheless that is uh, what's going on with uh, former Vice President uh, Joe Biden and he is more of a moderate candidate in comparison to uh, the progressives like uh, Bernie Sanders and uh, Elizabeth Warren, um, his you know he's more of um, uh, the kind of candidate that will be appealing to Republicans uh, who um, you know are leery of some of the Democrats' uh, Democratic ideals. So he's more in the middle of the road kind of a candidate, you know, again, serving as vice president under uh, President Barack Obama. Those two were considered moderates uh, when they were in office and uh, and, uh, periodically crossed the aisle uh, to join with Republicans on legislation to benefit both parties. Um, But you don't see that happening with, uh, you know, progressives like Elizabeth Warren and and Bernie Sanders. We're going to talk about them in, uh, in just a few minutes as well but that is um what's happening with uh former vice president joe biden again his campaign has got a uh a shot in the arm it looks like and uh we'll see what happens when the night is said and done According to the L.A. Times, Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar, uh, Senator Amy Klobuchar and Mayor Pete Buttigieg, both uh, ended their presidential bids. Uh, uh, they did so on yesterday, March the uh, 2nd, and they have both began to endorse uh, former Vice President Joe Biden in his bid for President of the United States. And, uh, you know, what's interesting about it is how quickly their campaigns um, ended after the South Carolina, um, after his win in South Carolina, and how quickly uh, they began to endorse or they endorsed uh, former Vice President Joe Biden. Uh, many have said that that's 
that's happened nothing like that has happened in presidential politics where candidates have ended their campaigns that quickly and then have turned to endorse their opponents but it looks like they've done so for the sake of party unity and um, with the uh, target being you know, believe it or not, Bernie Sanders, because of his progressive ideals, which Democrats don't, uh, most Democrats are, are, are leery of. You know, his ideals are great. Ideals, ideas are great. Medicare for all, free college tuition for all, you know, all of those are great ideas, but in the long run, uh, will they really actually be, um, you know, real legislate? Will, will they become real legislative policies if he becomes president of the United States? And so, yeah, big question marks over those progressive ideals. And we're going to be talking about that uh, more in uh, our next uh, segment, uh, talking about Bernie Sanders. But um, again, Mayor Pete Buttigieg and Senator Amy Klobuchar have ended their presidential bids, and you know. Um, in all likelihood, both of them uh, really have just uh, elevated their profile uh, across the nation, and um, you know, and have probably set themselves up uh, for uh, future positions if a Democrat is uh, elected in office and they beat Trump in November. But um, in all likelihood, you know, Mayor Pete Buttigieg was not going to win the Democratic nomination. You know, he was a young man of 35 years old, typically president candidates are uh, much older even though uh, according to the constitution uh, 35 is I believe uh, the um, minimal age that you have to be in order to uh, run for president so he was minimally qualified but again a mayor of Indiana you know uh, you know what was what was his real uh, what was the real possibility and likelihood of him uh, becoming president of the United States it was definitely a long shot but he was able to accumulate 28 delegates in uh, in his bid and so he has 28 delegates to give to Joe Biden um, you know and to add to his total delegate count in uh, in president and for, former vice president Joe Biden's bid for uh, the presidency and Amy Klobuchar has seven delegates to add to his delegate count as well so both of them uh, did a um, you know a, a decent job in their campaigns and made some headwind again I think they set themselves up pretty well for uh, a uh, a good job in uh, a democratic presidential campaigns uh, or a, a, a democratic presidential administration uh, if and when um, we win in November. And finally, uh, as we round out the three topics for our thought uh, for the What Are You Thinking About segment, we're talking about can Bernie Sanders deliver? Because, you know, it's one thing's for sure, he is definitely a fundraiser. He's definitely has coalesced uh, a massive campaign of followers on social media and in, in, uh, in all of his rallies across the country. Uh, he has amassed a... Uh, uh, I believe $46 million, um, you know, in this presidential campaign, uh, you know, so uh, he is definitely uh, doing a great job at fundraising uh, and, and getting himself out there. 
sometimes I think his followers are a bit, um, uh, <laughs> a bit, uh, what's the word I want to use? <laughs> I don't want to call them crazy, but uh, they, they are a bit eccentric. You know, they, they, they are definitely uh, Bernie Sanders supporters, and they don't want to um, even entertain the idea or the notion uh, of, um, of him not winning the nomination or the presidency. Uh, but, you know, again, he has a, uh, some obvious, um, you know, disadvantages against him. You know, the fact that he is a, um, you know, 76 or 77 years old, I believe. He's already had a heart attack uh, in running uh, for uh, the presidency in this, this, um, uh, in this election. You know, even though the doctors have given him a clean bill of health, you know, he's obviously uh, up in age and the presidency does age you. I mean, look at um, President Obama, for example. This this guy, when he started uh, his campaign in, two, in 2007, his hair was jet black. <laughs> but the presidency will age you at an accelerated pace. You can look at him now, and his hair is snow white. And, and uh, he's, you know, long since been out of office. Uh, but... You know, his, his hair turned white even in 2016, his last year in office. So uh, the presidency does age you. Uh, but nevertheless, um, you know, the, the, the biggest thing I have with Bernie Sanders is his big ideas. And and those are actually really scary for uh, the Democratic brass because they don't think that uh, they're going to um, be enough to beat Donald Trump in November because uh, you know for the most part you know these uh, these big progressive ideas uh, seem to be um, you know uh, more fantasy than they are uh, actually real uh, concrete legislative policies that can make it um, you know in both the House and the Senate uh, you know it just seems like um, uh, he's really just you know, getting people riled up and uh, getting them excited. He has a knack for, for getting people excited, but the problem is he has not really done a good job at explaining how these programs are going to be funded and going to be paid for. He keeps saying that these, you know, we're going to tax the rich, we're going to tax the big corporations, and um, and, and and you know, and, and those and, and and those funds will in turn fund these. Uh, these programs that he is proposing and um, you know those again sound great and they sound good uh, and, and, and they have definitely uh, made an impact on those who have aligned themselves with Bernie Sanders, but in the long run, I think that they're not going to be real become real policies if he does become president of the United States, because you have Republicans who are di diametrically opposed to those progressive ideals. And so, uh, for the benefit of the Democratic Party, you need a more moderate candidate who will be able to bring uh, together, uh, bring both sides together, both the Democrats and Republicans together on ideals that will benefit both parties. And I think, you know, you know, uh, Joe Biden is that person to be able to do that. And he has a 
history of being able to do that even as a senator and he's done it even as vice president of the United States. Love to get your thoughts and feedback about that as well. So that is three topics for the What Are You Thinking About segment. We'd love to get your thoughts and feedback about anything that we discussed during the Tonight Show. Add us at TOL Radio Host MSN on Instagram and Twitter or hit us up on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash thinking out loud radio show. We would love to hear from you. Or go to our website and leave us a comment on our Thinking Out Loud official show page or drop us an email at contact at michaelnemons.com. Well, guys, we're going to take our first break of the night, but when we come back, we're getting right into our first excerpt of our interview with the Honorable Council President Brenda Jones. You don't want to go anywhere, guys. You're tuned in to the Super Tuesday edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show, the hottest radio show online. We'll be right back. to issues that matter to you. Hi, my name is Maya and you're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with radio show host and my daddy, Michael Nimmons. You better listen to that little girl. Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were insufficient? Who told you that you were a loser? Who told you that you were a failure? Who told you that you were deficient? Who told you that you were nothing? Who told you that you were worthless? Who told you that you had no value? Who told you that you were you to believe? Who told you that you were naked? It's a dynamic, empowering, and inspiring book about identity that is a definite must-have. Pastor Nimmons talks about an identity crisis that dates as far back as the Garden of Eden. You don't want to miss these powerful insights into not just the problem of this identity crisis, but the discovery of the spiritual solution. Get your copy now, available on Amazon for just $14.95, or by visiting 
michaelnemons.com. Like a victim when you are already victorious. Radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. Don't, 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 don't touch that dial. It's the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. We'll be right back. As promised, we are back on. The Super Tuesday Presidential Election Edition of the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. And we're going to be sharing with you excerpts of three interviews we had with politicians that are currently serving in state and local positions right here in the state of Michigan. First up is our interview with the Honorable Council President Brenda Jones. She was on the show to talk about her qualifications as she was running for the vacant seat in the 13th Congressional District served by the Honorable Congressman John Conyers. She was on the show to talk about her qualifications for that position as well as the importance of voting. Take a listen. As promised, we are back on the Super Tuesday Presidential Election Edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show, and we're going to be sharing with you excerpts of three interviews we had with politicians that are currently serving in state and local positions right here in the state of Michigan. First up is our interview with the Honorable Council President Brenda Jones. She was on the show to talk about her qualifications as she was running for the vacant seat in the 13th Congressional District served by the Honorable Congressman John Conyers. She was on the show to talk about her qualifications for that position as well as the importance of voting. Take a listen. I know you are enjoying our interview with the Honorable Brenda Jones, Detroit City Council President and candidate for the 13th Congressional District. And uh, I truly believe that um, she has the qualifications to uh, fill this uh, highly sought-after seat formerly held by the Honorable John Conyers. Um, Madam President, you know, um, as we talk about, um, you know, the transition from local politics to national politics, I want to find out from you, what are some of the things that you're you're concerned about uh, when you when you look at uh, this country from a national perspective? Because, as I said earlier, you're, you're moving from um, Detroit City Council president to running for uh, the United States Congress. What are some things that are on your mind um, as you think about the current state of this country, the White House, uh, Congress, and um, and what's going on there, and um, you know, and and how those problems can be solved. So, some of the things that are on my mind is John Conyers fought for, and those things of civil rights, those things of social justice those things of human rights. I'm not ready to move backwards. I want to continue to move forward. And when I look at some of the things that are happening right now in the United States um, of America, 
One that we had um, people literally go to war to fight for freedom. Um, I asked, are we free? Are we free? And so I just look at, you know, some of the things that are going on. I look at women's rights. I look at voting rights, knowing in Ohio, if you don't vote for two years, you're taken off the voting roll. We fought and people died for us to have the right to vote. And so it's just so many things that are happening. Um, I look at medical insurance. And, and when you go to other countries, and we, we sit right here very close to Canada, where they have health insurance for all, health insurance for all, and not just medical insurance and health insurance, but what about dental? People don't understand that if you don't take care of your dental um, concerns, that can cause a health concern. That can cause an infection in your body. I look at mental health and dollars that this state does not have. This um, district does not have for mental health. I look at services for veterans, and that's just not And I just talked about people died, uh, died for us. They died for us fighting a war for freedom. And, and, and we have veterans' benefits being eliminated from them after they have served their time. I look at education, and education must improve. It must improve so that the people of the United States, our children, our adults of the United States, would be able to compete with adults and young adults in other countries. I look at Social Security and people who have worked hard, hard, to think that they would have Social Security and should their Social Security be privatized, security be privatized. I say no, it shouldn't. No, it shouldn't. And so the list goes on and on and on. I feel that college education should be free or affordable. Vocational training should be free or affordable. One of the things that we have talked about is probably within not chair a skilled trades task force that I've chaired for the last 10-plus years. Within the next 10 years, you will probably have at least 10,000 people that are now in the skilled trades retiring. We need to have people trained to fill those, those careers. And we often say jobs with their careers, careers that they can take to any state. They can take any place and be able to make a good living for them and, and their families. I look at what the minimum wage is today, and can you live off of the minimum wage that we have today? You have people who are working two and three jobs. I looked at an individual that I helped just in the city of Detroit. She was a working homeless young lady that had two children. One was very ill. She worked a job, but she was homeless. 
I used one of the relationships that I had, and a lot of times that's what's important, having relationships with people. And that's why I thank God when I was called and asked to be trustees on these boards, I said, who nominated me and what do I need to do to be a trustee when you said I was nominated for a trustee? But the things that being on these boards have given me the opportunity to do was build relationships with people. And you know, also often, one of the things we talk about is how someone has used someone. And I always say God put us all together to be able to use each other because we all don't have the same thing, but someone else has something that you don't have or someone else knows something that you don't know. And so it's not a problem when you use each other. The problem is when you misuse each other or one of your resources. And so I use the resources that I have in order to assist the people that need to be assisted, and I will be able to do just that, not just for the city of Detroit. It's much bigger than the city of Detroit, but for the entire 13th Congressional District and and be able to assist my colleagues who also represent other districts in the state of Michigan and my colleagues who represent people in the United States of America. And that's what I look at, what the things God has allowed me to be able to learn, to be able to do, to be able to accomplish in my life, and to take that to be able to assist other people. And so I look at... um, something that has been very near and dear to me, and that is human trafficking. And in mm. Michigan, it's said to be number two in human trafficking. That's something that I've worked on, and I've had town hall meetings. I've talked to our Detroit police chief, and as a result, the police chief received federal funding. So there's money in D.C. that can help us. We're not getting our fair share. And so I continue to say our quality of life cannot depend on our zip codes, and that is exactly what is happening. So, uh, you know, I I think, again, I thank God for giving me the ability to be able to um, have a ministry, and I call call what I do my ministry. I call Mm. it my ministry, and God has given me the ability to have the ministry that I have to be able to assist the people and now take it farther than just the city of Detroit and be able to assist people and be able to vote on things that will um, that, that will determine people's livelihoods, that will um, help people and their families. When you look at our criminal justice system, we know that the criminal justice the system needs to be reformed. You look at some of the things that African Americans are serving time for. Is it fair? Is it fair? And, and, and a lot of these things are nonviolent crimes that African Americans are serving time for. And so I look at our criminal justice system and say we need to do reform to the criminal justice system, and that's something that I would be able to vote on for not just for the 13th Congressional District, 
not just for Michigan, but for the United States of America, which truly needs it straight across when you look at what is going on in the United States of America. Before I let you go, Ms. Jones, I, because this is the Get Out the Vote radio show that we're doing uh, for the Thinking Out Loud radio show, I just want you to say a few words about the importance of voting. Um, it is so very important that um, that we vote, and we hear this all the time, but the midterm elections are coming up. Uh, the primary election is, is, is just a few days away, and the general election is coming up in November. I want you to tell our listeners why it is so very important for them to get out to vote, not just for you, but to get out to vote in general. Talked about how people died for us to have that right to vote. I also just mentioned how in Ohio, if you don't vote for two years, you lose that right. And so there are times where if you haven't voted in two years, you just go to the polls, just assuming that it's okay for you. Um, You've missed a couple of years and you're going to vote. You go to the polls in Ohio after two years, you cannot vote. It is so important that people exercise that right to vote, and not just in November, because also often people wait until November to vote. August is a determining factor. A lot of times your election in August is a party election. Where you go and you vote, when you go in, in November, you have a candidate for Democrat and you have a, a Republican candidate. So it's a determining August, in a lot of ways, is a, is a determining factor of who's going to be on that ballot in November. One vote, one vote, and I'm going to say again, one vote is very important. One vote can win an election for someone. One vote can cause a lot of things to happen. So it is important that Everyone goes out and exercise the right that people died for them to have and go out and vote in August, go out and vote in November. It's so important. Everything that happens in our country has a political aspect to it. Voting ensures your feelings about the issues that you have and the issues that you have heard about. A lot of times I hear people say, I'm not political. Everything is political, up to and including the water bill that you receive, because someone is voting on those water rates, up to and including the light switch, because it may not be local government that's voting on it, but you have someone somewhere that is voting on rates for everything. And so it is important that people go out and exercise the rights that they have to vote. And then it's important to know that in the 13th Congressional District, they have to vote two times. They have to vote once for the partial term, which 
will end January the 3rd, 2019. Remember, John Conyers retired during the term, and there was no special election. And so they have to vote for that. And then they have to vote again for the full term, which begins January the 3rd in 2019 and ends January the 3rd, 2021. So my name will occur two times on the ballot for the partial term as well as the full term. And I ask people to go out and vote. Go out and vote two times for Brenda Jones, partial term as well as the full term, and know that whoever fills that partial seat has to be prepared to hit the ground running because they are going to Congress doing lame duck. And everybody should know during lame duck, everything happens very rapidly, very rapidly, and so you must be prepared. And it should be the same person returning back for the term because if they're just there for a partial term and doing lame duck, I asked a question, how concerned will they be for what happens in the full term? So, again, thank you for allowing me this um, opportunity to speak. Again, this is Brenda Jones, candidate for Michigan 13th Congressional District, and I am on the Thinking Out Loud radio show, and I am very happy to be your guest this evening. Author and speaker, Dr. Eddie Connor. I I was reading something the other day, and it's it's interesting. Uh, it's been 50 years since uh, Dr. King was killed. And 50 years later, they're still killing kings. You know, uh, to, to really speak truth to power, but also to, to speak to our young men about uh, police brutality, but also the whole spectrum that, in many cases, they live in the crosshairs of society. We can give them all the, the tips, tools, and things of the trade of how to govern yourself accordingly. But we see young men all across America, and we, you know, uh, so many cases we just become desensitized to a young man who is shot and killed because the police were threatened by the fact that he pulled something out of his pocket and it was a phone when they thought it was a gun. Practitioner and spokesperson, Dr. Victoria Dooley. I do feel strongly that as the African-American community and the church, we need to take mental illness more seriously, and we need to make it okay for somebody to seek out health care for mental health issues other than prayer. Absolutely, 100%. Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist, Rochelle Riley. Uh, I, I can tell you, and before we leave uh, Ali, let me tell you that it wasn't just an interview with him, but my very first column called for the city of Louisville to have a museum for him because at that time there was nothing bearing his name except a little strip of street, you know, how it works in some cities where Martin Luther King Boulevard is in a part of town, but in the rest of the town it's named something else. That column ran and the mayor and other folks who knew better and who were embarrassed by it said, okay, it's time. And that helped lead to this effort that had been going on for some time to 
raise $80 million to build the Muhammad Ali Center, which now exists on the banks of the Ohio River. We bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Everybody, this is Sandra Ramekin, Director of Outreach and Education for Alternatives for Girls in Detroit, and you're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with the amazing Michael Nimmin. The Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. You're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with Pastor Michael Nimmons. Don't you dare touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked, keep it locked, keep it locked. Hope you're enjoying the Super Tuesday presidential election edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show and our interview with the Honorable Council President Brenda Jones. Next up is our interview with Lieutenant Governor Garland Gilchrist. He was on our show when he was running for Detroit City Clerk. He was not successful in his bid for Detroit City Clerk, but his political career did not end there. He was able to join the Democratic ticket for then-candidate for governor Gretchen Whitmore as her candidate for lieutenant governor. And they both were successful in their bid for the governorship of the state of Michigan. We were so happy to have then-candidate for Detroit City Clerk Garland Kilcrest on our show to talk about his experience and qualifications for that office, as well as the importance of the right to vote. Take a listen. I hope you're enjoying the Super Tuesday presidential election edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show and our interview with the Honorable Council President Brenda Jones. Next up is our interview with Lieutenant Governor Garland Gilchrist. He was on our show when he was running for Detroit City Clerk. He was not successful in his bid for Detroit City Clerk, but his political career did not end there. He was able to join the Democratic ticket for then-candidate for governor Gretchen Whitmore as her candidate for lieutenant governor, and they both were successful in their bid for the governorship of the state of Michigan. We were so happy to have then-candidate for Detroit City Clerk Garland Kilcrest on our show to talk about his experience and qualifications for that office as well as the importance of the right to vote. Take a listen. Sure. And it's, it's an important uh, process, um, but I want to tell you a little bit about me. So I am a Detroit kid. I was born on the west side and raised on the east side, and I was 
a person who benefited from uh, the love and nurturing of parents who, in addition to their professional lives, were also servants in our community. Um, my neighborhood on the west side, I lived at Lafayette. I mean, on the east side, I lived at Lafayette McDougal, and my mother ran our neighborhood association, and my dad was part of our citizens' district council. And so I saw at a very young age what service looked like to community and being engaged with my neighbors and being in a relationship with people who wanted to see change happen for the better at the neighborhood level. And so I, I learned from that a lot as a child. And I'm coupling that with my grandmother, my grandma Doris, who was a social studies teacher at Munger Middle School for 32 years on the west side. And grandma taught me my history, and she taught me the history of the city of Detroit and the civil rights movement. And perhaps most importantly, my grandma bought me my first computer when I turned five years old. She made me the first kid mm. on my block on Wood Circle to get a computer. And she really opened me up to a new world of possibility, of problem solving, of technology. And she just was a visionary woman, and, and she changed the trajectory of my life. And I kept that computer with me all the way through the DAPSEP classes and all the way through school and all the way to the University of Michigan, where I know you were Spartan, so, so we'll, we'll, we'll say that conversation <laughs> for another day. But um, all, the way to the all the way to the University of Michigan College of Engineering, where I graduated with degrees in computer engineering and computer science. Uh, and after that, I went to work as a software engineer at Microsoft for, for uh, Bill Gates, where I he was a software engineer who solved problems and fixed systems and made things work for people across the country and across the world. I learned a lot during that experience about how to solve problems and use technology. And that was great. And then something historic happened. Uh, you know, Barack Obama ran for president. It started in 2007, mm. coming into 2008. And I was so inspired, like so many millions of people in the country and really across the world were, that I stepped up to work on that campaign. I actually worked first as a volunteer and ended that campaign managing social media for the Obama campaign in Washington State, where I was living. In the, in the, in, I was in the city of Seattle uh, and working in the state of Washington. And I got a mm. chance to use technology to pull new people into that historic political process, um, something I'm really proud of is the Obama campaign was the first campaign to ever use text messaging to recruit people to volunteer for a national campaign. I helped create that program to get people from their cell phones to engage in politics. So I uh, enabled that we were able to participate in a new way on a historic campaign that won, that was inspiring, that was transformative. And I'm so humbled to have experience was so powerful that it actually led me to leave my work at Microsoft. I actually quit my job at Microsoft the week before my wife and I got married. And mm. a month later, I moved with my wife or, or as newlyweds. We moved to Washington, D.C., where I really wanted to follow in the president's footsteps. He was a community organizer very early in his career. And I actually went to get classically trained as a community organizer, as a fighter for social and economic justice. Uh, I went to Washington, D.C. I worked at a place called the Center for Community Change, and I learned how to do community organizing. I, went, I learned old school organizing, and I, le and I then took and put my new school flavor on it because I was a person who knew yeah, ever since my childhood how to help people set agendas and build power. But I also became an organizer who knew how to use technology to connect people in modern ways, and to gauge young people in the process and help us build power and connect in ways that we were using social media and Facebook and, and, and Twitter and things like that to really connect and engage people so they can have their voices heard. And I worked in D.C. as a community organizer. I was the national campaign director for an organization called MoveOn.org. It's the largest uh, progressive social justice organization in the country that's not a labor union, where we fought for everything from economic justice to social justice, for health care, for fair housing, 
um, to uh, combating voter suppression. And um, that's really relevant to the role of the city clerk, which I'll get to in a moment. Um, but one of the things I'm most proud of in my career is that I actually, uh, when I was working alongside the Obama campaign, I recruited 6,000 people to, to volunteer for the president in 2012 for his reelection and 34,000 people across the country. And I also um, worked to stop the voter suppression efforts of Republicans in other states, frankly, who were trying to suppress the votes of black voters and Latino voters. In the state of Florida, actually, um, in 2012, there was an attempt to suppress the votes of 300,000 black and Latino Floridians, um, simply because their names sounded like they were black or Latino. And mm. that's wrong. And it was racist. And I started a campaign that got 165,000 people across the country to sign a petition to then Attorney General Eric Holder, which I delivered to his office myself in Washington, D.C., to ask that he block that racist voter purge because it was wrong and it was illegal. And the Attorney General of the United States agreed with me and blocked that purge. We protected those voters' rights. So I learned how to fight for rights. I learned how to win campaigns. I learned how to organize people and mobilize them in large numbers to, to, mm -hmm. to gain our political power and to, to assert our political power. And that was also a, a fantastic experience. Uh, but you know what, Mike? So I have twin children who were born on my birthday in 2013. And wow. when my twins were born, yeah, man. So, so when my twins were born, my wife and I, you know, we, we soon after made a decision that we wanted to raise our children in our hometown. I wanted to raise my babies in Detroit. So when my kids were 10 months old, I made the decision as an adult to do the thing that many young people my age, I just turned 35 and my wife and I just celebrated our eighth wedding anniversary. And many young people my age who have choices and who have means, they make the decision to, to leave Detroit with their children. Well, I made the opposite choice. I came home with my babies to raise them in Detroit. And I came home, started working for the city of Detroit. I was the city's first ever director of innovation and emerging technology. I started in the summer of 2014. And mm -hmm. my job was to use everything that I've learned in my career and in my education to solve problems and fix systems that were broken and were not serving Detroiters. And I got right to work. You know, the, my second day on the job, we had a once in 100 year rainstorm. I don't know if you remember that in August 2014, we had like the lodge was flooded and it was, mm -hmm. we had a 100 year rainstorm. And so my second day on the job at the city, I got to work putting in a way for people to make a request that the city inspector come and look at the trees that may have fallen to block their sidewalk in the street or may have fallen on their homes so they could understand how the city could help them. And I got to work solving problems immediately, and I did things like that. I actually created a, a platform called Improve Detroit, something that makes city services more trustworthy, something we need in the voting process and easier to use. I wrote the city's policy on transparency, um, making it easier for citizens and residents to get information about what the government is or is not doing. That was implemented in February 2015. And I fixed life and death systems. Like I fixed the way that the city of Detroit manages and maintains fire hydrants, working with the fire department and the water department, because we have a lot of fire hydrants that haven't worked for decades. And so... I got to, to do some very important things, and it was fulfilling, and it was great to be doing it at home with my children at home, with my wife at home. And then I went to vote in November of 2016, and my experience, just like many Detroiters experience, was an absolute disaster. Not even talking about the results and however you may feel about the president and him winning state of Michigan. I'm talking about the experience of voters in Detroit. I vote mm -hmm. at a library called the Frederick Douglass Library. It's on the corner of Grand River and Trumbull on the west side of Detroit. And my wife and I, we took our children to vote as a family on election day because that's what, that's what my parents did for me. I always wanted my parents to vote. 
And we took mm-hmm. our twin children. They were three years old at the time. We took them to the polling place 15 minutes after it opened at 7.15 a.m. We got there. We uh, get in line. It was short at that time. And by 7.30, 15 minutes later, we saw everything that could go wrong at a polling place go wrong. Our voting machine malfunctioned. It broke. We ran out of paper, pens. We ran out of these things called privacy screens, which is a piece of paper you use to hide your ballot so other people can't see who you voted for. We, our system was a mess, and it took us an hour and a half to cast our ballots. I saw my friends and neighbors have to get out of line because some people in Detroit have to be at work at a specific time at 8 o'clock or 8, and they could not afford. They would lose their jobs if they didn't get out of line and go to work, but they could not afford to wait on a broken voting process to serve them. It was a failure. Mm. It failed those people. And, you know, there's a phrase in the English language for what we describe as when someone goes who has the right to vote, attempts to vote, and is prevented from doing so. And that phrase is voter suppression. Those votes were suppressed by a broken voting system. And that system, we, the, the results of that brokenness were on national display. We didn't get election results for four days in Detroit. We did not. We tried to do a, a recount in the state of Michigan that started and stopped in Detroit because in 59 percent of the polling places, the numbers in the poll books didn't match the numbers in the voting machines as far as who wrote, how many people voted at that precinct. The um, And then the state of Michigan actually did an audit to find out what happened. And the results of that audit showed that the failures were due to inadequate training by the current city clerk who did not train our poll workers adequately. And so mm-hmm. when all these problems happened, um, a number of uh, uh, my neighbors and, and, and friends and people in Detroit um, actually asked me to consider um, running for Detroit City Clerk because they thought I had the right background, the right skills, the right experience, and the right level of energy to fix the voting process and fix the broken systems that stand between Detroiters and their political power. And I, I appreciated that. I thought that was a very humbling suggestion. But honestly, it wasn't something that I had ever really considered. You know, this time last year, I was not thinking about running for political office. I was thinking about what my kids were going to be for Halloween. And my <laughs> wife and I, we, we, took, we took a step back and we, we thought about it because there were people who we had a great deal of respect for who, um, who made the suggestion. And it took us two months to really contemplate what this would mean um, for our family. You know, we have young children that just turned four. And we, we you know, that campaigning is a, is a, is a time-consuming effort. And just, what would this look like for our family? Um, do we believe there was a path to victory? And, two, and a couple of months later, um, in February of 2017, we made the decision that we were going to go forward. And so I left my job with the city of Detroit. I launched my campaign on March 30th, and um, I was able to make it through the primary. And now I'm on the ballot November 7th, competing to be the next city clerk in Detroit and to, get, to stand tall for Detroit and get our voters the change that we need so that we can trust our voting process again. Wow. What a truly amazing. You're tuned in. To the thinking Ow. Loud. radio show giving voice to issues that matter to you award-winning journalist Carolyn Clifford as journalists we just have to keep doing what we're doing day in and day out and all we can do is report the truth in a non-biased manner and everything else will work itself out. Activist and thought leader, Marcia L. Dyson. Obviously not Nancy Pelosi because again, because of social media, she said what she said, but that 
she's not going to be the ones who stop uh, her colleagues from not only thinking out loud, but talking out loud, whoever they are authentically. Pastor and intellectual, Dr. Frederick Haynes III. The black church, according to the uh, brilliant author and historian and scholar, L.H. Welchel, he said the black church was born as a protest movement. Uh, That's the reason the black church came to be. And if we're going to be honest to uh, scripture, I mean, the church itself uh, came out protesting. It was a movement of prophetic witness uh, to, you know, the insurrection of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Cracking Planet Earth is your boy Griff, comedian, author, motivational speaker, entrepreneur, philanthropist, but a Jesus Christ lover. You understand me? And you're listening to Thinking Out Loud Radio with my homeboy, Michael Nemes. Check him out right here. Go ahead, Mike. Give him that good, good. The Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you. Listening to the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show with Pastor Michael Nimmons. Don't you dare touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Keep it locked, keep it locked, keep it locked. I hope you're enjoying the Super Tuesday Presidential Election Edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And, of course, we've shared with you interviews that we had with the Honorable Council President Brenda Jones, as well as Lieutenant Governor Garland Gilchrist. Last but certainly not least is the newly elected mayor of East Point, Michigan, Monique Owens. She was recently on our show as she made history as being the first African-American woman elected to the office of mayor of East Point, Michigan. She was on our show to talk about her historic run as well as her qualifications for the office as well as the importance of the right to vote. Take a listen. I hope you're enjoying the Super Tuesday Presidential Election Edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And, of course, we've shared with you interviews that we had with the Honorable Council President Brenda Jones, as well as Lieutenant Governor Garland Gilchrist. Last but certainly not least is the newly elected mayor of East Point, Michigan, Monique Owens. She was recently on our show as she made history as being the first African-American woman 
elected to the office of mayor of East Point, Michigan. She was on our show to talk about her historic run as well as her qualifications for the office as well as the importance of the right to vote. Take a listen. You know, you can have all the faith in the world, but if you do not put your faith into action, it will amount to nothing. Um, but you got to you you not only talk faith, but you got in there, rolled up your sleeves and you put your faith into action. And look where you are now. The first African-American mayor of the city of East Point. I know you are enjoying our interview with newly elected the first African-American mayor of East Point, the Honorable Monique Owens. So happy to have her on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And she's really just been sharing with us some insights into uh, her political career and uh, just, uh, you know, talking about her political inspiration in President Barack Obama and and how he inspired her and how she is inspiring others in her newly elected position as the first African-American mayor of the city of East Point. You know, um, I am just thrilled and honored to have you on the show with us on tonight. And I really appreciate you carving out time to be with us. Know your schedule is busy. But what I appreciate the most about you is your uh, is how passionate you are about voting and how you want to make sure that African-Americans particularly understand the power of their vote. Uh, and uh, I really want you to share with our listeners as we get ready to wrap this interview on tonight with them. I want you to really share with them uh, how powerful uh, their vote is. You made it uh, very clear that. Uh, your election is proof positive that your vote does count. Winning by 19 votes uh, is proof that uh, those 19 votes that you receive put you over the top. And now you are the newly elected mayor of the city of East Point. So I want you to really share with our listeners because I'm sure they're listening now. And some may have felt like you did back when before you ran for uh, the first time for city council, uh, you know, feeling that their vote does not count, uh, that their, you know, that their vote does not matter, um, you know, you know, feeling apathetic and and really feeling like, you know, um, again, that they don't matter in the political landscape. But I really want you to share with them how powerful their vote really is. Uh, I wish I would have learned about voting a long time ago. Um, and I wish I would have learned about the process and things like that a long time ago because it's powerful. The voice in the in the vote is very powerful. And I think other groups of people know that. Everybody in 2020 will see my election, how powerful the African-American vote was, they're going to tap into that in 2020. That's how powerful our vote is. And the reason why I feel like a lot of times we have not seen a lot of African-Americans in office or people who are not African-Americans um, not in office that we have will have chosen is because we don't get out and vote. And I think we have been watched 
we are watched very closely, the African-American community, and how we vote and why we don't vote. They educate themselves in that, and they want off knowing that we don't go out and vote. And I tapped into that, too. And I, and I saw that they felt like, oh, they're not going to vote in a local election. And that's how they felt they were going to win the election um, this year in East Point. And so I said, I have to wake these people up some type of way because they're the people that's going to make me win. Because the numbers already have been, have been added to those who are majority not African-American that go out and vote. So just imagine me adding the African-Americans who don't go out and vote to that number. I can win. And I knew they were the key to me winning. People that don't go out and win. You got 2,000 and half of those, and 500 of those 2,000 people that vote in a local election are 1,500 probably Caucasian people that go out and vote every local election that's known or researched. And only five, probably 500 of those people are African American. That's known. People have studied that. And they say, okay, there's only 500 African Americans that might go out and vote. I don't really need that vote. I need the 1,500 Caucasians that's going to vote. And so the people are saying, okay, we, we know this 1,500 is going to go out and vote. And there's 500 that's going to vote. But it's about 4,000 to 10,000 African Americans out there that's not voting locally. We're not going to worry about them. They just ain't going to vote. I tapped into that. I said, I need those 10,000 people to get out and vote. 10,000 of them didn't come out. But some of them who usually don't vote came out because I woke them up and let them know, this is an election. I need you. I need you to see something different, and you have power. And I think in the 2020, the presidential election, people are going to tap into the African-American community. It's already happening. And with me being elected, tapping into that, Oh, uh, it's gonna it's twenty twenty. You gonna see all type of people in African American community. They're gonna be at the school. They're gonna be talking to them and things like that because we have a voice and we're growing. We're in cities that predominantly were Caucasian cities. We're all over the country, and you know people haven't tapped into us. And sometimes we haven't even tapped into ourselves. If you don't know you have power and everybody else do, then they're winning off you not knowing you have power. And so 2020 is going to be big for a lot of people. And uh, I believe 2020 is going to be changed by people seeing what Monique Owens has done in 2019. Wow. I know you guys have enjoyed our interview with the newly elected first African-American mayor of the city of East Point, the Honorable Monique Owens. So happy to have had her on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. I have truly enjoyed listening to her inspirational story, and I'm sure you have as well. I'm reminded of the poem, or actually the quote uh, by Gandhi, you have to be the change uh, that you want to see in the world. And, uh, and that's exactly what uh, the Honorable Mayor uh, Monique Owens has been. You know, she has been the change that she wanted to see in East Point and in her city. And her inspiration, uh, her inspiring story has definitely inspired others. And certainly um, we appreciate her carving out time 
to be with us on tonight on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And we pray that uh, God will continue to enlarge her territory as she begins her tenure as mayor of the city of East Point. We hope that we have built bridges with her. We love to have you back on uh, the Thinking Out Loud radio show to continue to talk more about uh, your plans for the city of East Point as well as the power of the right to vote. We definitely have got to have you back on to talk more about uh, the elections that will be coming up next uh, year, the primaries, as well as the general elections. And certainly uh, we want you to come back on and talk about the power of our vote. Power of the vote, but I, I tapped into the power of the African-American vote. The African-Americans need to get up, stop complaining, vote. Educate yourself on what you're voting for, why, and get out and vote, no matter what. And take your kids. Your kids with you. Talk about it. Let it be a conversation piece. Sit at the table and talk to your kids. What it means to vote. You know, the people that gave their lives to see us vote. And don't just, you know, and when you get in that line and vote, know who you're voting for. You know, a lot of times you get in line and say, oh, I voted. I get in line and just order something and not know what you order. I just I just ordered something. What do you order? I don't know. I'm going to eat it, though. <laughs> get in line and, you you know, and you vote and know what you're voting for and why. Because when you vote for something you don't know, then you're held accountable for not knowing something. You know, you're, right. you're held accountable for the person in office that you voted for, and you didn't know they didn't care about health care. They didn't care about certain things that concern you or affect you. You just voted for that person to get in office. They don't care about nothing about you, and you voted for it. Our ancestors fought for us to vote, and they fought for us to be voted when we vote, vote with education. Mm. Vote with education, knowing who you vote for. You know, they just didn't get lied and um, get heard and, you know, get beaten and so vote for somebody, their oppressor. They got and voted for somebody that was for them. So when you get in line, be educated, you know, and what you, who you voting for and why. And no more excuses. No more excuses anymore. We don't have any more excuses on why we can't do something. Absentee voting. You can vote at home while you're watching power. You can do whatever, whatever you need to do to you know, get your vote out. There's no excuse anymore. And so we just want to make sure, you know, it's important for everybody to vote. But I just tapped into a, a group of people, the African-American community, because I felt like people wasn't paying attention to us, and I don't think we were paying attention to us. And I just want to pull that out. And so that's what I did. And thank you so much for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Thank you, the Honorable Monique Owens, for being on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. May God continue to bless you god bless you too thank you so much it's the thinking out loud radio show we'll be right back don't 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 touch that dial it's the thinking out loud radio show don't 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 touch that dial it's the thinking out loud radio show we'll be right back This is Michael Eric Dyson, and when I'm in Detroit, I listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show, dropping that knowledge, giving that inspiration, giving us that enlightenment. Nobody does it like Brother Michael does it. Do your thing. Holla. Peace. 
Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. Congratulations to Pastor Michael Nimmons and the Thinking Out Loud radio show for over 10,000 streams and downloads. Rate, review, and subscribe to the Thinking Out Loud radio show, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Spotify, and now available at michaelnimmons.com. The Thinking Out Loud radio show giving voice to issues that matter to you. Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were insufficient? Who told you that you were a loser? Who told you that you were a failure? Who told you that you were deficient? Who told you that you were nothing? Who told you that you were worthless? Who told you that you had no value? Who told you that you were you to believe? Who told you that you were naked? It's a dynamic, empowering, and inspiring book about identity that is a definite must-have. Pastor Nimmons talks about an identity crisis that dates as far back as the Garden of Eden. You don't want to miss these powerful insights into not just the problem of this identity crisis, but the discovery of the spiritual solution. Get your copy now, available on Amazon for just $14.95 or by visiting michaelnemons.com. Like a victim when you are already victorious. Stay tuned for more motivation, more inspiration, and more empowerment on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked. It's time, 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 weekend, our nation remembered the 55th anniversary of the March on Selma called Bloody Sunday. This march had quickly turned violent as black marchers moved across the Edmund Pettus Bridge toward an awaiting brigade of white police officers. This past weekend, civil rights leaders, politicians, and even presidential candidates converged on this historic bridge in Selma, Alabama to commemorate this march for voting rights. It ultimately changed the trajectory of the civil rights movement. But I want to take you back five years to the 50th anniversary of this historic march where our nation's first black president spoke about just how important this march was for him. Take a listen. It is a rare honor in this life to follow one of your heroes. And John Lewis is one of my heroes. Now, I have to imagine that when a younger John Lewis woke up that morning 50 years ago and made his way to Brown Chapel, 
heroics were not on his mind. A day like this was not on his mind. Young folks with bedrolls and backpacks were milling about. Veterans of the movement trained newcomers in the tactics of nonviolence, the right way to protect yourself when attacked. A doctor described what tear gas does to the body, while marchers scribbled down instructions for contacting their loved ones. The air was thick with doubt, anticipation, and fear. And they comforted themselves with the final verse of the final hymn they sung. No matter what may be the test, God will take care of you. Lean, weary one, upon his breast. God will take care of you. And then his knapsack stocked with an apple, a toothbrush, and a book on government. All you need for a night behind bars. John Lewis led them out of the church on a mission to change America. President and Mrs. Bush, Governor Bentley, Mayor Evans, Congresswoman Sewell, Reverend Strong, members of Congress, elected officials, foot soldiers, friends, fellow Americans. As John noted, there are places and moments in America where this nation's destiny has been decided. Many are sites of war. Concord and Lexington, Appomattox, Gettysburg. Others are sites that symbolize the daring of America's character. Independence Hall and Seneca Falls, Kitty Hawk and Cape Canaveral. Selma is such a place. In one afternoon 50 years ago, so much of our turbulent history, the stain of slavery and anguish of civil war, the yoke of segregation and tyranny of Jim Crow, the death of four little girls in Birmingham, and the dream of a Baptist preacher, all that history met on this bridge. It was not a clash of armies, but a clash of wills. A contest to determine the true meaning of America. And because of men and women like John Lewis, Joseph Lowry, Hosea Williams, Amelia Bunton, Diane Nash, Ralph Abernathy, C.T. Vivian, Andrew Young, Fred Shuttlesworth, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., so many others, the idea of a just America, and a fair America, an inclusive America, and a generous America 
That idea ultimately triumphed. Now, as is true across the landscape of American history, we cannot examine this moment in isolation. The March on Selma was part of a broader campaign that spanned generations. The leaders that day part of a long line of heroes. We gather here to celebrate them. We gather here to honor the courage of ordinary Americans willing to endure billy clubs and the chastening rod, tear gas and the trampling hoof, men and women who, despite the gush of blood and splintered bone, would stay true to their North Star and keep marching towards justice. They did as Scripture instructed, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. And in the days to come, they went back again and again. When the trumpet call sounded for more to join, the people came. Black and white, young and old, Christian and Jew, waving the American flag, singing the same anthems full of faith and hope. A white newsman, Bill Plant, who covered the marches then and who is with us here today, quipped that the growing number of white people lowered the quality of the singing. <laughs> to those who marched, though, those old gospel songs must have never sounded so sweet. In time, their chorus would well up and reach President Johnson, and he would send them protection and speak to the nation, echoing their call for America and the world to hear. We shall overcome. What enormous faith these men and women had. Faith in God, but also faith in America. The Americans who crossed this bridge, they were not physically imposing, but they gave courage to millions. They held no elected office, but they led a nation. They marched as Americans who had endured hundreds of years of brutal violence, countless daily indignities, but they didn't seek special treatment, just the equal treatment promised to them almost a century before. What they did here will reverberate through the ages. Not because the change they won was preordained. Not because their victory was complete. But because they proved that nonviolent change is possible. That love and hope can conquer hate. As we commemorate their achievement, we are well served to remember that at the time of the marches, many in power condemned rather than praised them. Back then, they were called communists or half-breeds or outside agitators. 
sexual and moral degenerates, and worse. They were called everything but the name their parents gave them. Their faith was questioned. Their lives were threatened. Their patriotism challenged. And yet what could be more American than what happened in this place? What could more profoundly vindicate the idea of America than plain and humble people, unsung, the downtrodden, the dreamers not of high station, not born to wealth or privilege, not of one religious tradition, but many coming together to shape their country's course? What greater expression of faith in the American experiment than this? What greater form of patriotism is there than the belief that America is not yet finished? That we are strong enough to be self-critical? That each successive generation can look upon our imperfections and decide that it is in our power to remake this nation to more closely align with our highest ideals? That's why Selma's not some outlier in the American experience. That's why it's not a museum or a static monument to behold from a distance. It is instead the manifestation of a creed written into our founding documents. We the people, in order to form a more perfect union, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. These are not just words. They're a living thing, a call to action, a roadmap for citizenship, and an insistence in the capacity of free men and women to shape our own destiny. For founders like Franklin and Jefferson, for leaders like Lincoln and FDR, the success of our experiment in self-government rested on engaging all of our citizens in this work. And that's what we celebrate here in Selma. That's what this movement was all about. One leg in our long journey toward freedom. give special thanks to our past guests, City Council President Brenda Jones, Lieutenant Governor Garland Gilchrist, and Mayor the Honorable Monique Owens for being on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We certainly appreciate them carving out time to share with us during their respective interviews on our show. Thank you, thank you so very much. And a special thank you to all of our faithful listeners of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We truly, truly appreciate you tuning in each and every week to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed tonight's show. Most importantly, we hope you remember to go out and vote. Michigan's midterm elections are coming up next Tuesday, March the 10th. And you need to make sure that your voice is not only heard, but it's counted. That's right, guys. Make sure you go out to the polls and vote. Remember to follow us on our Facebook fan page at facebook.com forward slash thinking out loud radio show on twitter and instagram at tol radio host msn or just stop by our website of michaelnemis.com we would love 
to hear from you. Thank you so much again for tuning in to tonight's show. Be sure to tune in next week. We're going to have another great show in store for you. And so until next time, always remember, if you can think it, you can believe it. If you can believe it, you can see it. If you can see it, you can be it. If you can be it, you can achieve it. The power rests within you. The mind is the most powerful muscle in your body. Use what you got to get what you want. The power is in you. It's a Thinking Out Loud radio show. Thanks for Listening to the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show podcast. Be sure to support all of our radio show partners. If you like the show, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, or Spotify. Want to book radio show host Michael Nimitz for a speaking engagement, book signing, or corporate event? Send an email to contact at michaelnimitz.com. Be sure to follow the show on all of its social media accounts on Instagram at the TOL Radio Show, on Twitter at TOL Radio Show, or on our Facebook fan page at www.facebook.com forward slash Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Are you an entrepreneur? Want to advertise? Become a Thinking Out Loud Radio Show partner and take advantage of our free and introductory advertising offers. Send an email to Thinking Out Loud Radio Show at gmail.com for more details. Visit the new home of the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show at www.michaelnemis.com forward slash TOL Radio Show. The Thinking Out Loud Radio Show, giving voice to issues that matter to you.